What's going on, everyone? How you doing? It's Mike Capella and Nickname Musa, host of the Something Like the Offseason podcast. Really excited about this next episode we have here for you all. We have none other than my fellow HBCU brother, rival college attendee, Howard, that is, Brandon Buffer. Brandon is an amazing guy with an even better story. One thing that I think you'll really come across with this particular story is how resilient this brother is. I mean, he, he gets into some of the details, but we're talking about walk on to undrafted free agent to working in academia to starting his own real estate business to even have some other side hustles he mentions here i think it's a great story about consistency a great story about how to maintain and build your own courage and confidence and how to how to how to really think through development and what it means to kind of take some time away to really invest in yourself Great podcast. I love this episode. He's a great brother, good friend. Like, follow, subscribe, all those things. You know how it goes. There's something like the offseason podcast. Really appreciate you guys tuning in. Enjoy the episode. Peace. Here we go. Buffett in the building, the big four. Starting yes, out the gate. What was the moment in high school you knew you were destined for college? What was the moment yeah. in college you knew you were destined for the L? Yeah, so uh, in high school, man, uh, it was two instances. I saw one of my uh, teammates who was two years ahead of me, Alan Langford, uh, out of Detroit, Michigan. Uh, he ended up signing to play football in Wisconsin, had a good career there. Um, so, you know, he, he, that, he was my big homie, showed me what to do. And um, seeing that, I said, okay, we, we could definitely make it from out of the city and out of the mm-hmm. school into the next level. And then with my own performance, we had a 707 camp down at Bowling Green. And I was balling, just balling out there and making plays <laughs> all around the ball, doing my thing. And they brought me inside the stadium for a little private workout. So I said, okay, you know, the price going up. You know, people are <laughs> noticing me and what I'm doing and stuff. And so I knew right then, like, okay, college is definitely obtainable. And I do want to add a third one in there, too. Come on. I went to Michigan camp. This is when I found out about the whole politics of sports. Went to Michigan right. camp, and I'm doing my thing, but, like, I'm getting no looks because they're bringing in guys from Texas, guys from right. Florida, guys from Maryland. They already have them in their mind of who they want. And don't get me wrong, they were bigger um, and stronger and stuff, so I'm not, I'm not even going to hate, but they had guys already to go for their programs versus, you know, in, 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 in the mid-major and the MAC, they were just mm-hmm. scouting talent and stuff. So those three instances let me know I could play college football. Thanks. And then how'd you know how'd you know you had a shot at, at at the league in college? In college, then again, man, big homies that went before me, man. Um, you know, prior to me getting to Howard, a guy from Detroit actually, Ron Bartell, ended up going second yeah. round, man, which is you know very, very corner. high for yeah, for yeah, corner, exactly. Six two, big running corner. four three, man. You know, it's, it's kinda hard to get passed up, you know, during that time. <laughs> and then um the year before I got there, uh Antoine Bethe, he uh, was another guy, seven five seven area. Got drafted, I think, sixth round. Um, and then another guy from Detroit as well, who I actually played with, my locker was right next to his, uh, Jeff Pope. Uh, mm. Went to Eastern Michigan at first, transferred to Howard. Boy ran a 4-2. <laughs> was in the league, got a ring with the Giants, played with Cincinnati, played with Philly. So I'm like, okay, like, dudes from where I'm going, where I'm from are going to the league. So it was just a matter of me to take care of business for the next three to four years and getting my shot. Sheesh. Yeah. Buddy, said, buddy ran a 4-2. It's over. 4-2-5. I'm out of there. <laughs> Sign me. <laughs> Four two five is completely reckless. Okay, yeah, exactly. <laughs> out of second question, right here, who was your biggest comp? Who was someone you played against that you were like, you know what? 
this brother also, you know, is legitimate. This is for real. Competition. Uh, hmm. One that doesn't get mentioned a lot in Detroit, PSL Sports, Dominique Douglas, man. Freshman All-American uh, at Iowa. We went to Murray Wright in Detroit. Dog, man. Just just nasty. Just just, just, just talented. You know what I'm saying? So him, uh, somebody you and I share uh, with is Willie Carter out of Howard. That boy, oh. that boy could jump out the out the stadium, man. Just bounce. You know what I'm saying? Um, also, uh, another guy, too. Actually, two guys was like, kind of like a combo. I don't think you ever faced him, though, before you got to Hampton, but uh, uh, J-Boy, Jerron Williams out of uh, Howard, number one little shifty guy. Mm-mm. I don't know if, yeah, I, th- I think they made He was nice like that? that? He was nice. He was, uh, I think he broke uh, all, all the receiving records at Howard, I believe. And then um, and then his, uh, his number two, uh, Larry Duncan, man, just solid, savvy receivers. Like, LD won the fastest, but just savvy. He just set you up on the route, stem you in the right way. Um, and J-Boy, just a nasty, just Florida boy, man. Just <laughs> cutting you up, talking stuff in your face. Yeah, so me, like, okay, like, I'm facing dudes from all around the yeah. world. I got a tough, and I got to be able to talk it, and I got to be able to walk it. So, like, right. you know, th- those people are stiff competition, for sure. Fire, fire, fire. Okay, question number three. Who was someone you played with or against that you felt didn't make it. We had the receivers there. Is there someone in the L that you played against that you thought like, you know what? This brother was elite. You know what I mean? Like maybe, right? If for another opportunity, they could do something crazy. Yeah. Uh, shoot, my homie, man. Throw Upshaw, dog. Ball hawk. Mm. Ball hawk, man. Big hands. Safety? Just, uh, yeah, safety. Yep, yep. Mm-hmm. Got my play with him in high school. Ball hawk. True, even my roommate, man, Martin Cornife, dog, 6'2", 205, could run, you know, hey, love to hit, you know what I'm saying? Boy, hey, put his way, he wore an XL helmet, dog, so he had a big head, he, he definitely should have down the ball, you know what I'm saying? So uh, those two guys, man, I feel uh, definitely had a legit shot at the league, I'm trying to think of anybody else. That's what I think of initially, man, guys I played with it just yeah, like, yeah. just like maybe like- one or two more things fell in place and would have got that shot, you know? Right. I love giving people they people their props because a lot of times people don't realize the difference between the guy who plays it just might be who got hurt what the scheme is who the new dc is so i'm always trying to if there's an opportunity man get people to to shout out people and and that's the thing man like going back to dominique douglas it's full circle man you know i got signed with the lions luckily and he comes with the practice like buff i'm like wow you should be here like you are way better than a lot of people yeah. I played against and way better than me as an athlete. But here I am, man. And uh, I've heard that another podcast where it's like, matter of fact, it was um, a podcast back home, uh, Players Exchange with, uh, okay. it was Derek Walton. He's like, you'll see guys in the league where it's just like, because he's played NBA, G League, everything. Like guys just like a few situations, mistake. Like you said, DC, if he just trained a little bit harder, if he went to that meeting, if he didn't get in trouble, they will be there. So like, right. You know, making it all the way is, is definitely a blessing because there are guys who are definitely way better than me. I'll be the first one to tell you, man. I worked hard, right. but there are guys who are just more talented than I am. And I, and I, and I accept that. 100%. Okay, question number four. What is the nicest thing a coach has ever done for you? Man, rest in peace, Coach Charleston Fobbs, man. He trained me that whole summer prior to going to the league. That was 2011. It was a lockout year. Him and my oh, other man. high school teammate, Joe Barksdale, who was a year under me, but played at LSU. Yeah, you the lineman. Yeah, exactly. Lyman. Yep, yep. He trained him and he, he let me hop on that whole summer, man. Got me right. Got me to a solid buck 84. I was yeah. just, I was, I was a machine, man. So I appreciate him for pouring that into me, man. And I, I really appreciate that from him. Fire, fire, fire. All right. That's the big four. 
So y'all out there in Detroit, talk to me about the last three months of you and your NFL journey, what you were thinking about, what you weren't thinking about, and just where your mind space was. Like start starting right there. Starting with you get you get that first cut. Where does where does your mind go? I mean, I, I can take it because it, it, it was about a three month journey, literally. I mean, I got signed. I was, you know, I was there for the uh, rookie camp. Got cut after mm-hmm. that, and then I got signed a couple months later. So everything was happening with like maybe a year of 2011. So the first cut with the Lions, I was mad because I had my best day of practice mm-hmm. when I got cut. You know, what I'm saying like I after all the Twitter, after all the hoopla of being hype and everything, I'm like okay, let's just lock in. You know, what I'm saying my best day of practice. I knew exactly all the calls and everything. I'm studying with your teammate Ricardo Silva. We 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 locked in, and, uh, and you know, and that and that short little dude come out of nowhere. We in walkthroughs and say, "Come on, walk with me and bring your playbook." So I, I knew what was happening then. There, I guess I'd even take it back to undergrad. I made sure I applied to grad school. You know, what I'm saying like I had something like if I don't do nothing else, I can at least go back to grad school, get mm. more education, and have that I guess fallback plan. And so got that first cut with the Lions, started working, uh, doing grad school, that whole grind, which is cool. You know, what I'm saying you know I gave him my all, whatever, whatever. And then I got picked up by Arena Football with uh, Chicago Rush. And so got cut one time, got cut a second time. And second time I got cut, I said, you know what, I'm done, man, because they cut me over the phone on the way back from their away game. And I'm like, y'all can't bring me to the office to talk to me face-to-face, man. So I'm like, it's been a fun ride, met some cool people. I wish it was longer, but shoot, uh, walk on HBCU athlete, being a pro athlete in two leagues. I hang my hat up on that. You know what I'm saying? Like not being all American, only had one interception. Like I wasn't the greatest. I'll be the first one to tell you, but I just got, you know, that everything fell in place how I was supposed to. And, you know, it is what it is. So facts. The the thought would be though, somewhere here in your story is like, you're so scrappy. How you even got to the L is crazy. Why not, you know, that second cut? Why not say, man, maybe they they got it wrong. And just say, you know what, I'm a, I'm a hop back in. I'm gonna go to a pro day next year, yeah. and, and, and approach it like that. Yeah. So it's funny you ask that, man. I talked to Casey, my wife, about this all the time. I got hurt against y'all my my senior year. No, no, I said that back. Mm-hmm. No, I got I got hurt. I got hurt in practice the week after. Excuse me. We got mm-hmm. to Hampton, Howard Hampton. I got hurt. Had a heel spur out for a month. Came back home, coming against Norfolk. Got a concussion like the first quarter. Out for another week. <laughs> and then I'm just, I just fall, I fall out the rotation, man. Now, mind you, prior to this year, I was on tap to probably go seventh round, you know, preferred free agent. I was going to play in, at the time, it was the NFL PA Bowl, which is comparable right. to I mean, whatever. Go, no, no, it's, it's, it's a tier below East West. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I got so you. I, yeah, you know what I'm saying? So I was about to go into that whole situation. I was talking to uh, agents. I had maybe two lined up. Like things, things were in motion, like the, the traction was picking up. Uh, but that injury is what messed me up. And so I, I said, you know, Casey, I probably should have, t- I probably should have took a sixth year. You know what I'm saying? already mm-hmm. in my fifth year. I probably should have said medical red shirt. I only played, you know, 20% of the season. I should have came back because I like my body was ready. I was mature. I would have right. dominated how I knew I needed to coming out of the MIA. Right. You know what I'm saying? So I think that is, I, 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 well, looking back, of course, hindsight is 2020. But mm-hmm. it's also like, you know, I would have been in college longer. I don't know. It just would have been so many different things. But if right. I change anything, it would probably be just those those things. I'll probably take a sixth year. And also, I'll probably find a different agent, to be honest with you. So, mm-hmm. yeah. My yeah. agent wasn't terrible. He was just a representation of, like, because, like, the head dude was a head dude. But, like, he represented me. I should have been, like, a hometown guy. But it is what it is, man. Again, hindsight's exactly. 2020, and I don't regret anything, you know? Exactly. Exactly. Beautiful. 
So one of the things I think is really dope about you is that you get out of ball and you find your way into education. I don't, it's, that's not a path we really, we really hear a lot about. Talk to me about your interest, first off, in getting yeah. into education post-ball. Yeah, so I mean, let's just let's just be clear, man. This is outside of like F football. This is just my family. I'm a second generation educator. My grandmother did 30 years, aunt did 30 years, uncle did 30 years in DPS. So I was raised around it. You know what I'm saying? So it was never not in my mind. Um, I think I came back to it in undergrad because I talked to my DB coach, you know, Coach Bolton, one of the greatest coaches I've ever had. Um, and said, I said, yo, I want to coach eventually. You know, what should I major in? He's like, you should major in phys ed. I'm like, okay, phys ed, you know, it's teaching. I'll have a job. And I'm also like, you know, I want to make sure when I'm done with school, I need to have a job. So education, right. <laughs> being a black male educator, that'll definitely put me in the right spot. So phys, phys ed it was. And I actually got into it and really enjoyed it. You know, mind you, I came right. into Howard as a bio major. But uh, yeah, so came in as a bio major, switched it over to phys ed, loved education, knew that I had it in me by being raised by educators. And uh, so it just all worked out, man. So it was a great major. And it's true. I probably could mention I went to med school with all the science I took and everything, but it was it was definitely a great major and a good time. So beautiful. Talk to me about you, you mentioned it earlier, being like a black male educator, being just a male educator in general. Facts. What were you what were you experiencing in that in that education environment that you think kind of you know informed who you are today as a man, moreover? Because you now have kids mm. and stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, so Yes. I mean, so so right now I'm still in education and now I'm as a recruiter um, mm -hmm. and as a recruiter, you know, you, you've seen the whole scale of everything. I mean, historically, education is a white woman dominated field. But going back home to Detroit to teach, you know, it was, at the time it was one of the blackest cities in America. I think it's number two now to Memphis. Um, mm -hmm. So going back in, it was like the fact that I left Detroit, got an education, played co collegiate uh, sports, mm -hmm. got lucky to play professional sports. I was like. Like, uh, I guess, I guess, uh, uh, idol to most kids. Like, wow, Mr. Buffer, you did X, Y, and Z. And I started teaching yeah. high school. Of course, they Google me like, oh, Mr. Buffer, you really play for the Lions. So, like, <laughs> it was great to just bring, I guess, that energy that I experienced back into my city just to right. give hope, you know what I'm saying? And also, like, teach them stuff. Like, look, right. you know, you're going to learn how to, you know, take care of your body, you know, take care of your, your family's body, take care of yourself holistically uh, within this physical education space and everything. So, for me, it was... A wonderful job. I honestly miss it. You know, it was a great job. Got yeah. to wear sweats every day, work out with the kids, have fun, um, and just be, I guess, just that cornerstone of a teacher within the building. So I, I love it. That's awesome, man. When and when I think about, you know, obviously there's a lot of community packed into that response. When I think about right. you, the first thing I think about is the fact that you're a real family man. Like, and not yeah. just a real family man, but you're also on the whole, you know, the wealth path for your family. Right. Thanks. So it's no surprise that you're an entrepreneur. Yeah. Talk to me about a how you start for those who don't know. And you're going to talk about him in a minute. Sure. You start dabbling in the real estate and you start taking it to another level. Yeah. Is there a relationship between your interest and involvement in the community and how you start to think about wealth creation and formation for the Buffett family and so forth and so on? Talk to me about that process. Because it's yeah, not man. something you hear a lot of people just jump on immediately, right? Yeah, yeah. And it's funny, I was, I was talking to somebody else about this before. And before I started entrepreneurship, I made sure I invested in myself first. So I finished my degree. I got myself into a good job, finished my master's degree. Like I set myself up to where I can like, I can just rest here for a second. So, I, and I think that's very important because people are so like entrepreneur, generational web, like all these buzzwords. <laughs> 
<laughs> but you first got to invest in yourself before you're able to do that. You got to pour into your own cup before you're able to pour into others or pour into another cup that fills you up. You see what I'm saying? So I would yeah. first say, before I even get into that, finish your school, get yourself in a good job, make sure your, 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 your housing, your money, everything is set up so you can just think outside of what you're doing day to day. And so, I mean, you're also part of this story as well. Uh, we were living in D.C. We moved back to the Midwest because we had a child at the time, and we both vowed to have our children raised around grandparents. Our grandparents are in Chicago and Detroit, respectively, so Midwest made sense. And so, moving back to the Midwest, Casey went to business school where she met you and where I met you as well, and we were at Indiana. And so, I'm taking on full responsibility of my of, of our daughter like full time. So, like, I'm in I'm in Chicago doing my thing. And what made me think about entrepreneurship was like, man, like literally every second of my day is calculated from the time I wake up, from the time I go to sleep. If I don't get up by this time, get out the house by this time, I'll be late for work and late for this meeting. If I don't leave work by this time, I won't be able to pick her up, catch this bus, get her home, get her dinner, get her in bed. I'm like, I hated my time being calculated to the second. So I'm like, how can I escape from every second being calculated? Like, what can I do? And real estate, I caught on to, I don't know how it came about, man, but okay. I do know how it came about. I called into this. I called onto this uh, uh podcast. Clayton Morris started hearing about real estate and how you create wealth and everything, and it just got to me, man. And um, so I found that one. Found another one called Hood Estates, and then in my own just familial history, doing like I'm a third generation landlord. So my grandmother, mm. she has a two family flat. My father has two properties, and then I'm like, well, I guess it's kind of in me because my family's already doing this type of stuff. So yeah, so I think from my time being counted for me. That's what made me want to break out and do my own thing so I can have my time back. Um, and as far as for my family, my thing is what hey, what's the whole what's the point of being rich if your family can't eat forever? You know what I'm saying? Um, and then I think that family part came more important when my father passed away in 2019. And so he didn't have a will, didn't have everything written up, but I'm not gonna lie, he had a great life insurance policy that set me and my brother up literally for life. And so yeah. I'm like, okay, like this is how wealth is created. And talking to our state attorney, talking to our insurance guy, he's like, yo, like, you know, the other people, you know what I'm saying, they do this stuff quite frequently, you know? So this should be a discussion that's happening in the black household so that we're not just getting life insurance policies that cover just the funeral. You know, we're not making, you know, our son and daughter have to, you know, have the house going to foreclosure because we didn't have a will. So two things. So my timing calculators would make me want to do the entrepreneurship thing. And then my mm. father passing away made me want to make sure I'm taking care of my family and anybody, anybody who comes after me. So, mm. fire! I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. One of the things you said that was really good. We were talking about in the beginning in your path. You understood the fact that hey, I've got to invest in myself. When you started listening to these different podcasts, right? When did it become more real? For you, was it just a, a, a function of just continually listening and continue to believe it more and more? Or was it, you know, more so a function of, you know what, I have to do something? Talk to me about like what was the what was the the catalyst that made you just, you know, put foot the foot the pedal and say, like, all right, I'm gonna knock this out. I'm gonna do this. Yeah, I think it was a collection of information over time because prior to my real estate stuff, I just wanted to own a home. You know what I'm saying? I wanted to make sure mm -hmm. I had a house for me and my family. You know, right. when I was born, my parents brought me home to a home. Uh, when, when my mm. daughter was born, we bought her home to a rented condo. When we moved to Maryland, we were in a rented apartment. So I'm like, I need ownership for my family. I, I was brought up in this. I want to I wanna bring my family up in this, you know? So just hearing about like housing programs, first time home buyer programs, 
only putting three point five percent down, just that whole thing, like that information then rolled over into real estate and then everything. So like all the information gathered over, I say from twenty seventeen to about twenty eighteen. Yeah, I guess about about two years of information collecting, I was able to like, okay, got this information. And then in that Clayton Morris podcast, it's like, don't get analysis paralysis. Like, you have to take action at some point because if you keep just taking information, you're just going to be sitting there stuck. Mm -hmm. And so what I did, I found a first-time home buyer program in Illinois. <laughs> and I finessed that and bought my own, my, my, my first property. Luckily, Casey wasn't working, so I was able to use my own um, income. Mm -hmm. And that property that I purchased was previously a rental house. So I'm like, mm -hmm. just run the same play. Bought the home my birthday, December 13th, 2018. Had a right. tenant moving in January 5th, 2019. So like right. didn't matter a couple of weeks. So I just did it. And I'm like, let's go. Let's, let's just do it and stuff, you know. So well, you know, you know, one uh one led to two, two led to three, and now we're up to twelve. Come on. And uh, we're not done, you know. So come on, come on, come on. Yeah. Beautiful. I, I I love, I love I, you know, I love this story. I have you talk to people all the time. People, people For listen sure. to this. I, I have my youngins, I'll say, man, talk to Brandon, man. Brandon's yeah. got it, Brandon's got something figured out over there. One of the things that, you know, I do want to touch on is you're an undrafted free agent twice as far as your pathway to college, your pathway to the L, your exit. Now this solo entrepreneurship journey, granted, you know, you're married, so, you, you know, you have your wife. Yeah. But talk to me about confidence in general, how you, where you develop that confidence, how you keep applying it, because... Everything you've done has been against like you, mm -hmm. you know, and I say this respectfully, you would never yeah, yeah. all the way the favorite, at least right. others. Right. Yeah. 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 And, and I, don't, I don't take it as such, but I think with the confidence and I think let me think about athletically. I mean, I started playing sports at like five. So I was playing basketball, just, you know, a little rec ball with the lower rims. I played basketball pretty much. Yeah. From five all the way through like middle school. You know, you know what? I'm glad you asked that question. What gave me the confidence that I was actually good, like for real legit good, was actually not in <laughs> basketball or football. It was cross country. Middle school, what? I ran from, yes. So listen. Middle school, whoa, I ran from whoa, cross country. What? Right, right. Three for a loop, right? You weren't ready for that. <laughs> um, middle school, I ran on the cross country team. I will always come in first and second. And my main competition during that time was Justin Hernandez from a rival <laughs> middle school. But I was like, it's a, it's a mile and a half run, and I'm just dogging it. Like, just, I, and like, Mind you, I'm like coming in like a, maybe a minute or two before everybody else. I said, okay, I'm actually good at something. You know what I'm saying? So I right. think that is what establishes my confidence. Like I am an athlete. I can do these things better than other people. I played on the middle school basketball team my seventh grade year. Honestly, I wasn't that good. They didn't throw me in rotation that much. Mm -hmm. I was, and I was, I wasn't great. I'll be honest with you. I wasn't great. Moved to a different school, eighth grade. Couldn't play that year. But then I played football in eighth grade. And this is another humbling thing. I was not the best. Like, that, that team was already established. We won a championship, but I was like, I, I was the guy who was getting four plays because I had to because it was Little League. Put it that way. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And so, <laughs> I, I was that guy. Um, so, then, we got to put, hold on, how many plays Brandon got? Hold on, we got right, to put, yep. we gotta put we gotta Brandon four in. plays in before the go game ahead. is over. Yep. Go, yep. go play receiver. It's a run. You yep, know what I mean? Yep. <laughs> That's exactly what it was. And so, and then um, that second year, you know, I went to high school. I'm like, I can either play JV or I can play one more year Little League. Thank God I played one more year literally literally because I had that confidence, like, okay, I'm a starter, I'm doing my thing, like I can play the mm. sport. And so I think those two instances established my confidence just in general, like just in life. And I'll say athletically, and then academically, I was always good academically. So my I was always confident in that. So I think the confidence in those two instances allowed me to just like 
Brandon, you're good. You know, Brandon, you can do it. And I think, I guess one last thing, when I went to visit like Mac schools, like Toledo, Western Michigan, I'm mm-hmm. measuring up with guys. Like I'm, I'm 5'11", 170, 75, looking at them in the eye, like, okay, like these guys are playing, then I could play, you know? So all those experiences allowed me to gain confidence in myself. And I just carry that over, man. Like, you know, being undrafted, like, you know, I tell people, like, you know, just keep putting the work in. Like, I was, yeah. I had one interception. I was not all MIAC. I was not no preseason nothing. Um, but I got a shot at the league. You know what I'm saying? That's, right. that's not happening to a lot of, a, a lot of guys. Um, and playing in two leagues at that. Like, Come yes, on. it won forever, but I was in there. You know what I'm saying? Right. So um, I think the confidence, and that's just investing in yourself, Mike. Just putting in the work. Putting in the work academically. Yeah. Putting in the work athletically to make sure yep. that if your number is called, you don't get passed up. Mm. You see what I'm saying? Because even, like, right. in the lockout year, like, there wasn't a formal – I mean, there was a draft, but it wasn't, like, afterwards, you know, all the undrafted free agent stuff. It's, it, it waited mm-hmm. till days before. So had I graduated and just said, you know what, it's over, and not grinded, I would have went into camp and embarrassed myself. Right. You know what I'm saying? But I was prepared, and that's what I'm saying. Like, I could rest my head because I did everything I could do in my power to make sure right. that when my number was called, I was prepared mm. and, let, and, and let all the chips fall where they, where they may. So I love it. I love it. I love it. The thing, the thing that I, I do want to touch on, though, is we see a lot of folks, and it's not just ball, people in general. People are really successful at something. They accrue their success through one particular avenue, right? So all the things we're talking about are sports-related. Yeah. You're now doing something non-sports-related. What would you tell someone who's, who doesn't have familiarity, exposure in some new thing, and they're yeah. inevitably experiencing that first wave because i always say that first that first 90 days we could throw anybody out there for that first 90 days that's straight adrenaline straight motivation right Right. post 90 days how did you maintain your confidence what did you draw did you continue to draw from sports what was going on there talk to talk to somebody specifically you saw specifically post playing career like in my professional career yeah Mm -hmm. so you see my sweatshirt i owed a five theta man um (laughs) like that i was part of organizations our michigan club at howard um, I grew up in uh, Tossin Teens, which is, you know, kind of similar to Jack and Jill. So mm-hmm. I've done these things outside of sports that I think just gave me range. And, like, because mm-hmm. everything I'm doing within, I like, that I did within IOTA, within the Michigan Club, within, you know, Tossin Teens, it's all organizational skills, man. Like, right. you know, what I do for my work for, as a recruiter for a teacher, I recruited for IOTA. You know, recruiting candidates to be a part of the organization. Um, you know, doing budgets, doing events, like, all that stuff. So if anything, and, and you and I know, we know a, a gang of guys who – poured everything into football and it's all they had and now that football's over they're just you know they they, they yeah. survive and a living but like it's just like kind of regular you know what i'm saying so i think it's important for any athlete to just have that range man like yeah, get outside of your comfort zone uh find out what you're not good at and do it um mm. meet people outside of the locker room like the world is so much bigger than just the locker room or the locker room is big as well don't get me wrong people from all over but and, and then and then you know even playing football like i'm 35 now like there are like anybody over thirty in the league is very rare. You know what I'm saying? So you think about it, that's, <laughs> a, that's like a a, a, a nine to ten year sprint that you're doing, and then you're thirty, and like thirty is young. So you have so much life ahead of you, man. So it's uber important that you do things outside of that sport mm-hmm. um, to just broaden your horizons. Yeah, no, I I agree, and you know we talk about. I mean, we've been fortunate, we've been blessed to have that have that exposure that's kind of helped inform how we think about things. You know, my chief is a lawyer my mom's is a doctor so my mind right. before football was already like oh, okay there's there's different that's things cool. to do right when it comes to when it comes to like i said for the, for those guys you know speaking to the guys who are kind of in that slump what would be cuz you're in education there's you know 
when I talk to you, I mean, I, I'm always learning some people are learning some right now as they're meeting you. Yeah, yeah. Talk to me about demystifying the stigma around sitting down and educating yourself around something new. Because you had experience, you have experience a recruiting teachers, but also educating students. Talk to me about what helps someone get past that hurdle and succeed in their skill development. Or, you know that that what excuse me, learning more about the things that they're interested in. Yeah, I definitely agree with that sit down period, man. Because Casey and I on a date last night talked about how you know I was writing my thesis on the bus headed to work. We went from two cars to one car two incomes and one income, and here we are thriving. You know what I'm saying? So, and mind you, that sit-down time ain't got to be long. Like, I think it's a solid, <laughs> a solid year of dedicated sitting down and just sacrifice will really set you up. So I think, yeah, just sit down for a year. And sit down looks like maybe moving back in with your, pe- with your people, but being low-key or just getting a roommate or just decreasing your – um, your, your liabilities Overhead, and your income yeah. or your expenses as much as possible and just learn it, man. So this, there's so much information on this internet that we have mm-hmm. and not on Instagram, but so much information <laughs> that you can use that can be beneficial. Mind you, I got my information from a podcast from, oh, I, I have to back, I did follow an IG account. So they did, you know, inform me, but like what you pour into yourself is important. So like, if you listen to music, li- li- listen to Nipsey Hussle, listen to Rick Raw, listen to Payroll Giovanni. Mm-hmm. Those guys will educate, like just, getting your mind wrapped around business and money and how you attract it and how you got to learn, how you got to sit down and sacrifice and grind. So I think that's important for, and not just an athlete, just anybody like, cause everything from fifth, I mean, from kindergarten to 12th or 12th grade and even college is planned, you know, Mm. kindergarten, first, second, third, fourth, fifth, middle school, high school, college. What's next? You know what I'm saying? Figure out what you want to do and just dig deep. As I mentioned before, with me being a third generation landlord, it's like, Oh, I kind of am built to be a landlord because two generations previous to me have done it. I'm a fourth generation Detroiter. I'm a fourth generation, maybe fifth generation homeowner. Like this is within me. So I need to do these things. So knowing that you're able to move with a life mission, I come from, uh, you know, all my family's divorced. So nobody's really had that long marriage except for my great grandparents. So, you know, reversing the curse of divorcing the family. So make sure I'm emotionally stable to take on a wife and take on kids. Mm. You know what I'm saying? So it's just a whole, a, just a lot of deep, thought and i mean therapy man like just talk about your childhood how you were brought up talk about how your parents were brought up so doing that like just i even say you speed up to six months if you do that six months of just grinding and finding out more about yourself and what you've experienced and what you want to do the next years decades of your life will be fine i love that and going along that note what things for you work to put you in a space to stay disciplined and organized about pursuing your goals, right? Because you and I know this, there's nothing but order in football, right? right. If I asked right. you, what was your day at Howard? I don't know what they were doing at Howard, but I know what it looks like at Hampton. If I asked you, what was your, what was your day there? What was your day in the league? You know, hey, I'm waking up, I practice. And not only do you know theoretically what you're doing, but you know, you, you know to the minute this is what I'm doing. This is where I'll be. You mm-hmm. leave ball. You don't have that. You're doing something post ball where, okay, you have, you have a nine to five, you're educating yourself. I mean, you're learning, you're developing that skill around, you know, educating the kids, but you're mm-hmm. also learning more about real estate and you're getting, you know, you're on your way to become an entrepreneur in the real yeah. estate world. Yeah. How did you create a system, a program to be able to, you know, execute on that? 
Absolutely. Um, I think sport helps that, man, to be honest with you. Because even, even as you were talking, I'm like, man, there are guys who are on the team but just misuse their time while on the team because they didn't graduate. It didn't, you know, do these things. So, like, just really – and I think that comes with knowing what you want, man. Like, I knew when I went to Howard, I'm going to do a couple things. I'm going to walk onto this football team. I'm going to make it. I'm going to get a scholarship off of football. I'm going to pledge a fraternity, and I'm going to graduate. Like, those are my goals. Like, I'm doing those things. So, it's really about what you want to do, man. And I think setting that structure up to answer your question directly is just like seeing how the 24 hours in a day looks. You know, when I learned the stuff about real estate, that was on my commute to work. I had a solid 45 minutes to an hour where I wasn't driving. I was on public transportation. So I just sit down and focus on what was being said to me. So you think about that's two hours a day, five days a week, 10 hours a week, 40 hours a month of learning real estate stuff. You see what I'm saying? So, you know, you multiply that by, you know, the months in a year, 40 times 12, whatever the math is on that. That's how much I'm learning in a year just on real estate. You see what I'm saying? So just knowing what knowing how time works, knowing how to use it for yourself to your advantage is, I think, the best way to get that structure that you need to get to set yourself up. Got you. Got you. What is you know, we have a lot of so, you know, we're now starting to look at who's listening and it's a pretty good range, but it's typically 18, 18 to 35 is kind of. Sure. Who's listening to, to the show the most. So going to that 22-year-old, 21-year-old coming out of college. Yeah. What is something you thought you knew 100%? You're like, man, I know this to be true coming out that you now know that not that's, that's not it. That's mm-hmm. not. It could be something on the business front. It could be something mm-hmm. on, the, on the social front. What's mm-hmm. something that you thought to be true that, that wasn't? Man, so thought to be true but wasn't true. You know, I don't know, man. I think I had a pretty good grasp on what was real and what wasn't. Mm-hmm. Thankfully to my parents, just and just being wise, learning from other people's mistakes. Mm. So I was never like, I was never naive. I feel to what what into what the real was. But I will say, sport continues after college because, like, all jobs are not guaranteed, man. Think about it. Like, nepotism is real. You know, and for the benefit, like, if I have a business, I'm hiring people who I know who refer to me. You know, to make it easier. And like as a recruiter, we hire a strong 40% of people off referrals. You see what I'm saying? So like, you know, we're not trying, like you applying to those jobs is cool. But like, if you know somebody on the inside, it's even better. So I think the sport continues. And so you got to do everything you can in your power to set yourself apart from other people who are applying to these jobs. So that's why it's important to have that, have that resume padded, man. You got to get that, that Howard brand, that Hampton brand on there, that IU brand, that Wayne State brand and know where that brand takes you. So let's talk about that. Howard and Hampton, you can go around the country with that. Wayne State for my master's, I'm kind of keeping myself to Michigan. You see what I'm saying? IU can go all around the country. You know what I'm saying? Uh, Casey went to Michigan for undergrad. That takes you all around the country. Um, you know, no knock, but smaller schools. I know you went to Southern Miss. That may be a, a, a Mississippi school or mm-hmm. just a Southern yeah. state school. You see what I'm for saying? Sure. So sure. know where your network reaches out to and use that to brand yourself. Um, even down to high school, like I think about Cass Tech, you know, this it's a known school around the country because you got to maintain a two five to stay in there. So you can't just be dumb at Cass Tech. You're coming out with at least two. They kick you out if you don't have a t- it- magnet school, baby. We ain't playing with you. You're <laughs> 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 not playing two point five and up, man. And then um, you don't get a chance to bounce back. I'm sorry, Federal. No. Well, I take it back. There, I have had teammates who have got kicked out. Went to the neighborhood <laughs> school, got three point eight, and then came back in the cast. So that has happened. But you, but you. <laughs> 2.5, 2.5, man. <laughs> it's real life. So I say all that to say, man, like you gotta, 
a, every move you make will help up the next that will set up the next move. Right. So make sure you go to the right schools for undergrad. I mean for high school for undergrad. Like my daughter is seven. I'm already planning her high school and her college. Let's right. talk about it. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. high school, college, uh, uh masters, where you work. Casey's worked in Michigan. I I work at KIPP. KIPP is the largest charter school network in the country. You see what I'm saying? Right. I've worked in DCPS, which is a highly known urban um, you know, um, school district in the country. So, like, make sure you're branding yourself to put yourself in a place to where you'll be good and you can go anywhere, so. Right. Man, I love it. I love it. I really yeah. appreciate your time, brother. I'm so happy we could make this happen. If Absolutely. people want to reach out to you, what is the best way for them to connect with you? And and if if you can get particular around, you know, the language you'd like to see in how they connect with you, yeah, appreciate that as well, because Sometimes, you know, we ask people on a pod, you know, hey, how would you want people to connect with you? People just get flooded with all sorts of spam looking types of messages. So how is it best for people to connect with you if they want to? Text me 313-598-9647. Let's talk. I love talking about this stuff. I'll talk to another guy you sent over to my way. I told you, hey, mm -hmm. me and old boy talk for 45 minutes. You know what I'm saying? So I love talking about it because I know it's setting up that person and that person's family. You know what I'm saying? So mm -hmm. I'm all about that. Um, so yeah, three one three five nine eight nine six four seven. I got all the social media stuff, but call me. Like, let's talk. Yeah. Talk to me directly. Um, no email. Call me. Text me. I'm always on mm -hmm. the phone anyway. So hit me up. <laughs> sincerely, sincerely. And as far as next steps, is there anything that we should be on the lookout for uh, coming from you? Anything you're working on that you think we should we should be mindful of? Special projects? Nothing crazy, man. If you're ever in Chicago, need a rental car, hit me up. Uh, rent my tarot <laughs> on Instagram. <laughs> I got. Uh, actually, nine cars. One of them just got totaled. Got nine <laughs> cars for you if you're ever in Chicago. And if you know anybody in Detroit looking for a house, bufferproperties.com, B-U-F-F-O-R-D, properties.com. You know, I got a rehab about to be done. And same thing, just building the portfolio back home in Detroit, man. So that's it. Just houses. Hey, as, as I put in my IG profile, bricks and whips, man. So I got these bricks Ooh. for these houses. Got these whips for rent. What's up? <laughs> <laughs> Bricks and whips, man. My dog, man. I appreciate you, brother. Yes, this sir. was amazing. Yes, I can't sir, wait man. for people to hear this, man. <laughs> Have yeah, a good one. All right, you too, brother.